Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This episode, Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into the recently reported compliance spending by Wells Fargo. And this is the first podcast where I've ever asked, please sit down and do not operate heavy equipment when listening to it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode. As always, uh, we take a deep dive into some compliance or compliance-related topic, and uh, we take a deep dive into a staggering series of numbers that Matt only, uh, not only, but his best advice was sit down before you read this blog post. So, Matt, with that, uh, why don't you tell us about what you found when you looked at Wells Fargo? Uh, Yeah, Tom. So I found um, a lot of spending on compliance, a lot and uh, this came to me, came to my attention when Wells Fargo last week reported its numbers for second quarter 2020. And that report was terrible. Uh, revenue was down two thirds from the year ago quarter, second quarter in 2019. Uh, the bank had swung to a net loss of $2.4 billion in Q2. So that's all gross, uh, just a mess. And then the new CEO, Charlie Scharf, on an earnings call, offhandedly said uh, he was complaining about the costs for outside compliance consultants, which were, quote, beyond anything I've ever seen, close quote. Uh, so the bank had actually reported this number as uh, professional services and non-interest expense. That's a line item in Wells Fargo's uh, 10Ks and 10Qs. And in second quarter, it was $758 million, leading me to start to wonder, well, how much has Wells Fargo been spending on outside compliance consultants over time? And since they disclosed this number, I went and I totaled it up quarter by quarter from the start of 2017 uh, just for a nice clean break, because it was the summer of 2016 when its fake account opening scandal first burst into the news. And we realized just how much of a train wreck Wells Fargo was. So starting from January 1st, 2017 through second quarter of 2020, how much have they spent on all of these costs? Uh, this is the part where listeners, if you are driving a car or you're on a treadmill or operating machinery for real, you might want to pull over. Wells Fargo has spent $11.8 billion on outside consultants alone in the last three and a half years. Um, It is an astonishing number. And, Tom, I know over the years you and I have talked occasionally about Walmart and its FCPA costs because Walmart was one of the few companies that also was disclosing its uh, compliance-related costs to an investigation publicly. And over the course of, I think, eight years – Walmart spent a bit more than a a billion dollars on its FCPA program improvements. So over more than twice as long, when Walmart had five times the revenue, it spent less than a tenth of what Wells Fargo has spent just on outside consultants. 
Um, it is just like it is a number beyond the pale. Wells Fargo has spent more than Walmart ever did. Wells Fargo spent more than that in some quarters. And then I went on from adding in fines and penalties and internal costs, and we can get to what the total number is. But just on the consulting alone, we are north of what many states in the United States spend on their annual budget. It's just you can't get over that number. Why don't you go ahead and give us that total number? Because I really want to spend some time unpacking all of this and its implications. Well, so, okay, now we have the outside consultants. That's PwC, it's McKinsey, it's Oliver Wyman, probably a few more other consulting firms who are all providing services, helping um, Wells Fargo with its compliance problems. Um, I am sure that not every single dollar of the $11.8 billion is devoted to compliance matters, but a large amount of it is. It is a very good barometer for the whole cost. Then we get to the fines. Um, I tried to total up all the fines on my own. That is not an easy task with Wells Fargo. Uh, We had a $3 billion settlement from the Justice Department and SEC earlier this year. We had $185 million from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in 2016, which started this whole scandal. Um, there was $500 million from the Office of Comptroller and the Currency in 2018, like half a billion dollars. And I didn't even remember that. I had to go looking through the archives to find that that was a fine. Um, $35 million that they paid to the SEC for other misconduct related to abusive sales practices. So my total was approaching $4 billion on the fines and penalties. And then I found other watchdog groups that track Wells Fargo misconduct more closely. And so if we use the start of 2016, uh, when the account scandal first broke, if that's the demarcation point, uh, these watchdog groups, they've calculated that Wells has spent just shy of $9 billion on fines and penalties. So add that in to the 11.8, and now we're over $20 billion dollars. And we haven't even gotten to the internal costs. We don't really have any good way to measure what those internal costs are, but that would be things like the salaries for people in the compliance department. And I know Wells Fargo has hired a bunch of people. Um, It would be man hours from non-compliance staff who might be pulled into these projects. Uh, There might be other technology that is being purchased and not necessarily consulting services. So you add that up and up and up. And I would feel very confident that we could say Wells Fargo has easily spent $20 billion on compliance costs, fines, penalties, and whatnot in the last four years, probably much more than that. I suspect the internal costs are quite large, um, but easily $20 billion, probably several billion more at the least. And that's where we are. Matt, when I read your blog post, seated, sitting down, um, and I saw the $11.8 billion on spend, it struck me that perhaps another way to consider this is just how bad the conduct of Wells Fargo was and how poorly their entire compliance structure was, which led to this just incredible number. If you take that number of the 11.8 plus the other numbers that you gave us to get us over the 20 billion mark, could this really be a poster child for why effective compliance can be such a cost savings? I mean, uh, uh, yes, because there's just 
there's no scenario where investing in compliance is going to cost you more than $20 billion. No matter who you are, uh, this would have been the more cost advantageous thing to do for Wells Fargo from the beginning. I might separate out a couple of different uh, dimensions to this total number here that, you know, the $9 billion or so in penalties really is what you pay for willfully violating regulations and having poor conduct like that's it's the penalty you know that that that's what nine billion is even if you just focus more on the 11.8 billion in consulting costs and probably untold the other billions on internal costs those are your remediation costs to adjust your corporate culture back to something that might resemble um, a good stand-up corporate culture and back a couple of months ago when the three billion dollar penalty was announced from the justice department and sec i remember i took a really deep dive into where that came from and the misconduct that wells had and finally disclosed in the mid 2010s really it traced back to some fundamental flaws in their incentive programs and their strategic objectives that were set in 2000 in the late 90s for 20 years really they had been letting these things fester and if they had taken more time and invested more effort into adjusting the corporate culture setting the strategic priorities in favor of good conduct if they had done that back you know in the early 2000s i don't know where they would be today but i can tell you they would not be here They'd be nowhere near here. I mean, here is just an unbelievable place. $20 billion that you're spending to rectify problems that had just taken root in the foundation of the culture and rotted everything away from 1998 up until 2016. I mean, that that's that's what happened. And um, yeah, you could just go on about it all day, I suppose. It's, it's really, it's just astonishing. Matt, the $8.98 billion, uh, I could not tell from your blog post if that also contained the amount of money that Wells Fargo lost because of the growth cap put on it by the Fed, uh, do you recall if that 8.98 uh, figure included uh, that uh, dynamic as well? Uh, I believe it did not. This was a watchdog group that just tracks what are large organizations paying out to the government for regulatory fines. That's it. Uh, you are correct to say that one penalty in a roundabout way that Wells is paying is when the Fed put a cap on its total assets at $2 trillion, which I believe is still in place. Um, and banks need more assets to grow. If you are frozen there at $2 trillion, you cannot grow. So what is the What's the lost growth that they don't have? I don't know. It, I don't believe it's included in the $9 billion number there. So you could even say that there's that's another extra pain uh, for Wells Fargo, but I, I don't know how you could quantify that. Um, one point that I would want to call out is I also had tracked this outside compliance consulting spend, this outside consulting spend, because at least some of it, I'm sure, is not compliance consultants, but as I said, most of it is. But the outside consulting spend as a percentage of revenue and for much of the last few years, it has fluctuated between about three to five percent of quarterly revenue for Wells Fargo. Now that alone is too much, 
But what really happened, what really is killing Wells Fargo right now is that since the end of last year and into this year with the pandemic, Wells Fargo's revenue has fallen off a cliff. Like remember when I started with all this is the earnings report where they said their revenue had shrank by two thirds in 12 months. Um, so the pro the portion of their revenue that is going to outside consultants has skyrocketed. 10% of their quarterly revenue is now going to outside consultants. That is not sustainable. Even if Wells Fargo doubles its uh, revenue in the next quarter or two, which it's not going to, um, even if it doubled it from 8 billion up to 16 or 20 billion, they'd just be right back where they were before and it was still too much. And you're not going to double your revenue in a quarter or two. Um, Wells Fargo is in really difficult shape. So I see where the CEO, Charlie Scharf, is saying this has to stop. And he wants to engage in a massive cost cutting uh, plan, which he has to do to right size Wells Fargo's spending to the revenue coming in the door. But this is going to be an enormous dislocation. I don't know what it means for the compliance spending, but he is not wrong to say we can't keep spending this amount of money. I don't know how you get a better compliance program without spending the money, but it, the way things are going, just it, it won't work. So I, they are where they are, but it is not a good place. Let me ask you about the two charts you have on your blog post. The first one is entitled Wells Fargo Outside Consulting Spend. And am I, am I correct, correct rather in interpreting that in at least two quarters in 2017, the quarter spend was over $1 billion? Yes, you are correct. Over a billion dollars in one quarter on outside consultants alone. Uh, and then your second chart, which you just referenced, outside spend as a percent of revenue, it appears from 2017 to perhaps uh, the end of Q4 2019, the spend fluctuated from a high of a little over 5% to a low of perhaps uh, uh, 3% and then really took off in Q1 of 2020. Would that be a correct interpretation? It looks just like all those exponential growth charts we've seen for COVID spread. I mean, it spikes. Uh, it went up to probably about five and a half percent at the start of Q1 2020, and now it's 9.16% of total revenue in Q2 went to outside consultants for Wells Fargo. So if we could maybe now turn to uh, how on earth could a company uh, really spend this much money? And once again, if we use Walmart as an example, from the New York Times article, which broke the story and the information I think that came out in the Walmart FCPA case, in 2005 and 06, and the incidents in Mexico took place, Walmart had a compliance program. And from what I recall in reading uh, when Wells Fargo's scandal initially broke, they actually had a compliance program. They had a whistleblower hotline. They, they had a code of conduct. They had a way for people to report the illegal actions that Wells Fargo was engaging in, yet the culture was so toxic with regard to Wells Fargo, it led to um, continued fines and penalties over the next three years. And a company that, frankly, I'm certainly not going to bank with, and it looks like many Americans feel the same way, as opposed to Walmart, who uh, has been very uh, open about the compliance program changes they've made literally across the world. 
Yeah, I, I really struggle with how to compare Walmart and Wells Fargo um, because Wells Fargo really does seem to have a almost like a systemic com- compliance problem, a culture problem, I suppose we could just say, where if you wanted to get the closest approximation from Walmart, it would have to include more than just the FCPA compliance program. Uh, what was Walmart's spending on, I don't know, environmental compliance or uh, wage and hour issues and things like that? How would you roll all of that up? But if you wanted a total apples to apples comparison, I think that would probably be the better way to do it. And we don't know exactly how to do that. On the other hand, it is quite clear that um, whatever Walmart's problems were, they were not as big as the FCPA issue in the 2010s. And still, Walmart was paying a piddling amount next to what Wells Fargo is laying out. Um, And also, the thing that strikes me is while the CFPB and other regulators have really jumped on Walmart, uh, on Wells Fargo since 2016, it's not as if the misconduct had not already been known. It wasn't widely known, but California regulators, for example, had already been taking Wells Fargo to task for its unauthorized account abuses, I think as early as 2013. Um, and that's what led others to look into this and then you know, it became what it became. So you're right to say that, I mean, Wells Fargo had, had tried in roundabout ways to improve its operations. Um, It had fired 5,000 people between 2011 and 2016 for the fake account scandal. It revamped its code of conduct. I I know that as a fact. Um, It had done a lot in the early 2010s, and it still wasn't enough. So you do have to wonder, where are they spending that money? Um, I would love to know what all of these consulting firms are doing for Wells Fargo. I think Charlie Scharf is probably also very curious what they're doing as well. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that in addition to the quarterly report coming out last week, the Financial Times had a very interesting article about some internal dismay and tension over this spending on outside compliance consultants because, uh, number one, you don't know exactly what these outside consultants are doing because they're outside. Uh, It is not the same level of oversight as somebody inside developing a compliance program in-house. These outside consultants, if they're doing all the whiz-bang stuff, you're going to have some portion of internal employees who are going to say, I want to do the whiz-bang stuff. And if you don't let me do it, I'm going to quit and go to another company that lets me keep my skills sharp. And that's a valid point from the employee's perspective. Uh, So there was some question about internal people who thought, this spending was rampant. It was unchecked. Nobody knows exactly what's going on. And it is letting the internal compliance talent wither because all the outside consultants get all the cool stuff and the cool assignments. And, you know, they're just billing it back to the company. Um, none of that dynamic is healthy. And I would be curious to see how do you rectify that? Because they are going to have to cut spending. They just, they have to, but they have to build up their compliance program, which costs money. Um, so I don't know what the the exit strategy or the evolution path is for Wells Fargo and its compliance reforms, but it's, um, it's a fascinating case study to look at. So today in the always great DNO diary, Kevin LaCroix wrote about two uh, companies who find themselves in directors and li- uh, directors and officers 
suits around their FCPA uh, settlement actions. I'm sorry, one FCPA settlement action and, and then the case uh, involving the Ohio uh, Speaker of the House mm-hmm. for bribery and corruption. This seems to me to be uh, really uh, an incredible uh, teachable moment around multiple things. One is the cost of noncompliance, but at some point there needs to be, uh, it would almost appear that the dysfunction in terms of the uh, corporate governance at Wells Fargo has continued. And that continued uh, continuation led to not the left hand, not knowing what the right hand doing, but the middle finger not knowing what the ring finger looks like. <laughs> it that, that could very well be. Um, you know, Tom, since you've been talking about teachable moments here, one thing that I think the Wells Fargo spending teaches us isn't that you need to have a good compliance program. I think that is known by many CEOs. So you, the compliance officer who's listening, you can say, we need a well-funded compliance program. I don't think there's many CEOs that say, yeah, we can have a bare bones program. We don't need to spend money on it. They might not like to spend, but they get that you can't ignore compliance. You need a program. I don't think that's what this Wells Fargo thing tells us. I think this is more about the importance of understanding the big strategic objectives that the CEO and the board and the management committee, the big strategic priorities that they are creating, what are the forces that you put into motion with that? And do those forces support a good culture of compliance or will they at some point in the future undermine it? Because that was Wells Fargo's mistake. It was not that they didn't have a hotline. It was not that they didn't have a good investigations protocol, although their investigations process was terrible. It was all because they set up a profit metric that would ultimately incentivize people to cut corners and start breaking rules and protocols so they could make profit at any point. The only way to unscrew that screwed up culture is to have the CEO and the board and the management team say, we're going to change all the priorities. It's not to say we need to improve hotline protocols. That's like step five. Step one is to go back and say, we need to reassess our strategic priorities and how we are measuring our progress against them. That was the original sin for Wells Fargo, and they are paying for it today. And it would seem they are continuing to pay for it. So maybe the lesson is the NACD or some other organization who really helps train boards of directors uh, should take a look at something like this and see really where the fault of the board is in both setting an overall strategic uh, goal, but also an oversight of that, because the numbers would seem to indicate to me there was zero oversight going forward. I, you know, I suspect that is the case. I know that over the years, um, they've had at least two CEOs get fired since 2016. Um, Charlie Scharf only arrived, I think, in November. He's not involved in anything that Wells Fargo had done up until then. Um, and then they replaced, I think, a quarter of their board after the Fed pretty much told them, you have to replace a quarter of the board, and they put that $2, billion, uh, $2 trillion asset cap on. So I think the Fed gets it that this is more a strategic priority and corporate governance problem. It is not really a mechanics of the compliance program problem. The mechanics of the compliance program as withered and dysfunctional as they were, that flowed from the 
strategic priorities being elsewhere and the corporate bo uh, the boardroom being asleep at the switch about the importance of a good culture. And then what do you think is going to happen five or 10 years later? You're going to wind up with a crappy compliance program, people cutting corners left and right, and this disaster that continues to unfold to this day. Well, Matt, this has just been a fascinating uh, story and tale, and I can't recall a blog post that you put up where uh, there it came with a warning to please be seated and not operate heavy equipment while reading this blog post. Well, you know, we're always looking out for the, the health and safety of our readers here at Radical Compliance. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me, tfox, at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic and take a deep dive into the weeds of it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And we look forward to visiting with you again. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave a message on the speaker app on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>